This edition contains references to subjects which might cause distress or be upsetting, so listener discretion is advised. Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast featuring special guests talking about how they reveal God during the ordinary rhythm of their daily life. Presented by author and speaker Sharon Tedford. Is it possible to be a follower of Jesus but still struggle with mental health difficulties? Can you have a strong faith, a clear calling and an inspiring message? Today's guest found God in the darkest of places. My guest, art director Amber Wiegand Buckley. Hello, Amber. I'm so pleased that I get to introduce my friend Amber to you all. Amber, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone, and hello, Sharon. I'm so glad you invited me to the podcast today. We're so pleased to have you. Could you tell everyone where you live? I live in Springfield, Missouri, about 45 minutes from Branson, Missouri, which is the Vegas of the Midwest. <laughs> in what way? What do you mean by that? Um, if you go down um, the Branson Boulevard, you will see the Liverpool legends here. We have all the 60s musicians that came here to set up their theaters. And we have good old country jamboree, um, the bald knobbers, the Presley <laughs> family, and all the other musicians that have gone to the oldie stations. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a place for a visit. <laughs> it is. Tell everyone what you do for a living, Amber. I am the editor and art director for Leading Hearts magazine, which is in its eighth year of publication. So excited um, to be able to empower women to their call and purpose in leadership. But I have many hats in the call that God has on my life, including working with authors and speakers to pursue their God-sized callings. And I do design in that. I do consultations in that. I help people launch their book projects. I help people launch their ministries. And one of the things that I get to do is support many of the Women of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association to unwrap their gifts. And that is the greatest privilege I could ever have. I don't think God gave me a real job description. He allows me to see it unfold. That's a really good thing to say. He allows me to see it unfold. I think that happens for many of us. Now, Amber, we're going to talk about something a little bit different from normal. We're not going to talk about your career particularly. We will talk about it towards the end. But would you share your reflection on Isaiah 61 with us? Because that will help people know what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, I'd love to. Hi, my name is Amber. I'm a bipolar woman and I'm a leader. Sometimes when I say those words, I feel like I've just arrived at my first AA meeting. I'm not a healed bipolar or recovered bipolar. I take medication daily and navigate life differently. My family knows that bipolar disorder is a part of my DNA, but I still have faith and I still believe in miracles. I love God and I love that I am one of many, just like you, called to lead in a unique way. I was already serving in a place of leadership as the editor of a youth magazine with the same denomination I worked for. 
So it was so hard to find the road and step into my healing journey. That came from first being honest with myself and knowing I needed professional help. It was when I let go of my title and walked into authentic healing that I found the leader God created me to be. Without smoke and mirrors or pretense or the pressure to take on some nebulous persona of godliness. But it took me a while to feel qualified to lead again. And that wasn't because God magically changed my DNA. Isaiah 61.7 profoundly speaks to me and what I call my barefaced journey. The day-to-day walking out my call through the challenges mental health brings to the table. In the place of your shame, you will have a double portion. In the place of disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. So they will possess double in their land and eternal joy will be theirs. Where I am now, I can't be down about what I've walked through as God built himself up in me at a time when I felt everything was crumbling. God's appointment and anointing will always be beyond the capacity of my bones and dirt to fulfill. And it doesn't come in predetermined packages of what we would like to see or what the world would define as a strong leader. As a bipolar woman, my call to lead is in the confident assurance that God uses all of my divinely created beauty and steps into my weaknesses so I may lead others to a fuller knowledge of Him. Thanks so much for sharing that, Amber. So tell us, when did you first become aware that you may have some mental health challenges? Well, it was interesting. As a child, I remember having extreme anxiety and dealing with some depression, but I also had a home where I saw my father deal with almost, it was hard to describe. It was just one minute he would be up and excited and laughing, and the next minute he would be angry, depressed, coming after us. You know, he was a Christian man, and I never really understood how a Christian man could live a life where he really genuinely loved people, but he could switch on a dime. And I didn't realize, I think, what I was dealing with because I was so focused on, I don't know what's wrong with my dad. And, um, He was working in a Christian workplace, so we couldn't say anything about this is what life is like at home because he would lose his job and he had five kids to feed and mom. But it was interesting that I look back over my bipolar episode that really was intensified when I was about 39 was really where I was really struggling. And... I saw my dad again, and it scared me. So seeing that, I think God kind of turned that over and said, you know what? And is that the moment that my dad passed away? He said, your father loved you at a capacity his bones and dirt could do in this life. And that's where I think I understood how bones break and dirt's dirty. 
It's not because it's sinful. God made us from bones and dirt. But he also took his breath, his own breath, and he breathed himself into us, his spirit into us to bring those bones and dirt to life. But that's just a vehicle for his breath. That's just a vehicle. So it breaks. So it's not perfect. And we have to be okay with that. So I had to come to the realization that it was okay that I was a little bit more ADHD or lost stuff. And now that I have children that, you know, struggle with the same issues, I see the things that I beat myself up for that I didn't realize was a part of the human condition, which is bipolar disorder. You recognize this in yourself. You recognize that you needed some help, as you said. But what was the catalyst to seek change and relief? Something must have shifted in you to say, okay, it's time to deal with this. Do you know what that was? Oh, I do. I do. And part of that started with a journey from toxic pattern in my home life to toxic pattern in my married life. And I saw my husband become the, the father I was scared of. And here I was, a pastor carrying a ministerial license, and, you know, I was dealing with the ups and downs of my home life. And I really wanted to heal. And I was having these, you know, ups of uh, emotional vigor and freshness, and God's doing something in my life only to come home and get so bogged down, all of a sudden, just sadness turned into chronic cycles of depression. And um, hormonally, I was dealing with um, issues. I had twice the estrogen of a normal woman, believe it or not. Um, I just think that makes me a superwoman. And I would always have like, um, I was like a popcorn when it came to doing. I was the popcorn of doing. And I always wanted that to kind of be instant. And so I would be a doer. And I thought doing and having that popcorn of doing, that was just natural. I was just natural. And I didn't realize that was manic side of bipolar showing itself. But then going through all this toxic issues and having those bipolar swings. Um, Then I went into a program where I was seeking healing. And I started journaling to God. I started journaling to my husband. I started journaling, journaling, journaling. And all of a sudden, I couldn't stop writing. I could not stop writing. I Literally, Sharon was writing nonstop for six months. I wrote everywhere. I wrote on the toilet. I wrote on my body. I wrote, you know, I just heard just prose and words coming through my head. I thought I was kind of going insane because it wouldn't stop. Some of it was really eloquent. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so beautiful. And I would go into a field before work. I didn't care if I was late to work. <laughs> I would go into a field. I would lay down. I would pick flowers. Doesn't that sound amazing? I mean, that, that freedom. But at the same time, in all the beauty, I saw something in everything. And everything was meant for me, you know. Um, 
And there was this running joke when I had my first counseling episode. My counselor said, if this Robin came down to the windowsill, would you think that that was meant for you? And I said, well, you know what? God speaks to me in really unique ways. And he said, no, what would he audibly say? And I said, well, he'd be probably bumming some birdseed. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I found this really beautiful creative space, but I also found darkness. And I remember I was teaching a writing conference in the Colorado mountains, Colorado Christian Writers Conference. And I was teaching about reaching millennials who are no longer teens. <laughs> and um, at the end of that class, I walked up to the side of a mountain and I remember this voice I had been internalizing and um, I knew it was the voice of the enemy who was trying to give me a big shovel <laughs> of pain. And he said, if you fall from this cliff, if there's any good in your heart, God will save you. And then the second voice, daughter, that's not my voice. Step back. And it was then I knew that I was not only dealing with a very manic chemical phase, things that were going on were definitely bipolar manifesting themselves in a very extreme way. I knew Satan wanted to destroy me while I was down. I also remember being in um, the same room with Linda Evans Shepard, who is the founder of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, and she was sleeping next to me. And the first time I told her, she said, I don't even remember this, but I felt this nebulous feeling over me after that had happened. And I just thought, oh, this is just in my mind. This is just something in my mind. And Linda jumped out of her bed and she said, Satan, stay away from her. I mean, it was just, and then she dropped back to sleep. And I asked her in the morning, I said, do you remember what you said last night? And she says, no. I said, you said Satan, stay away from her. But I didn't, I didn't tell her what, what had transpired on the mountain. I just went about my business because I had to stay in the, the mojo of leadership. And I didn't want to fall apart. I didn't want to break. I didn't want to lose respect. I didn't want to, I didn't want to let people down because I honestly love God and I honestly love people. That's a very powerful experience that you've shared with us there, Amber. I know that you know now that that wasn't letting people down, but it's clear that in that moment, that's exactly what you felt. So I'm so glad that God led you to get help with professionals and that you have found so much relief in that. So if you do start to feel a little bit off now, do you have specific steps that you take towards self-care? I do. Firstly, I take my clue from some of the people around me and I tell them, I don't want you to joke about your acting manic because I need to really realize, and sometimes this takes stepping beyond yourself and listening to people, but you know, some people throw that word around or, or stuff and, and, and that's not what we should do as people, even as people who are caring for people with bipolar disorder. Just know when, when I hear those words, I take them personally and I evaluate what I'm doing. And one of the things I make sure I'm doing is I'm getting hydrated. I'm really trying to sleep. 
them really trying to eat. Um, one of the worst things about my manic tendency is I can sit and I don't feel like I am worthy to take a break until I get a project finished. It's like Pavlov's dog almost. If I get the finish line, I get the bell and I can go to the bathroom. And that's eight hours, which is really ridiculous that I associate projects finished with I deserve. Um, and I had to watch myself in those patterns and set alarms or do whatever. Now that I have dogs who will actually run in the yard with me, um, it's so good to be able to just get up and I'm gonna pet my dog, you know. And the beautiful thing is I don't have a structured workplace. I get to work from my home. But that's a catch-22 because I don't have anybody regulating how much I work. So I also have to have my husband say, okay, you need to close things down. You need to stop thinking about what client needs you right now or what thing needs to be done. And that's really hard for anybody, even those who don't deal with bipolar disorder, you know. So I have to really guard myself. And I think that that's what God deals with me constantly because that's always my mind is production bell, production bell, production bell. And it's not because I'm a workaholic. It's because my mind releases those little things of serotonin, you know, when I finish a project. But I have to, I have to fight the thinking that I don't deserve a break all the time. Those are really useful steps. Drink, sleep, eat well, and have people around you who you trust, who can tell you there's something happening here. And I love that you would share. That's so simple. Sometimes I think we believe it's really complicated, but actually God reveals himself through the simple things of sleeping, drinking water, and eating well. <laughs> well, I want to tell you also, taking medicine is a sacred practice. People don't believe that. In fact, my dad was told, just pray through. And I tell you, prayer's great, but God gave us medicine. Yes, he did. He gave us medicine to help our bones and dirt function better. And yes, some of them have side effects and whatever. But I know that if I don't take my medicine and I do not see that as part of my sacred obedience to God and what he has provided for me to operate at a better level, then I am not operating where God would like me to be because I refuse to follow what was prescribed to me. So if I look at Mount taking medicine as not taking medicine, it is disobedience to even the doctor who has said, this is what I think you need. And of course, I'm always like, well, if this needs to be adjusted here or there, you know, I have to be open to that. And I have to be open to my husband or my kids saying, um, you might be struggling and maybe call the doctor and get something adjusted or just check in. That's accountability. Yeah, accountability is important. I would agree with you to share briefly a bit of my story. I was a chronic asthmatic growing up and I would not be here today if I hadn't taken the medicine. Mm -hmm. So taking that medicine was vital for my breath, just as taking your medicine is vital for yours. So if you're saying that medicine's important, do you not believe in healing? You know what? That's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I just think, you know, this human body... Yes, it was created by God, but 
sometimes taking the medicine is your miracle. Full stop. I mean, it reminds me of the the guy jumping off the bridge and like all these people trying to keep him from jumping off the bridge. And he's he said, no, I'm waiting for God to keep me from jumping off the bridge. Well, you had some three people come by and try to keep you from jumping off that bridge. For some reason, we cannot fathom that, you know, people have cancer. They need medicine. If we left it up, just this is my healing and it only comes in this package. What are we saying about God? Then we would be saying, well, you know, is death God's will? You know, is cancer God's will? Is heart disease God's will? We're driving around in, (laughs) for some of us, vintage vehicles. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely put. You know, we love our cars and they operate correctly, but one day that car will wear out. It's the same way with our bodies. And sometimes a miracle is a new car, and sometimes a miracle is a rapture. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. I'm going to take that phrase with me, Amber, that taking your medicine can be your miracle. You're listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, Amber Wiegand Buckley. You said way back in your reflection that it took you a while to feel qualified to lead again as a leader in the church or in your business. So what was it that put you back on the track to follow God's call on your life? When did you step back into it? It took me a while to share my story because there was so much shame in it. And without walking through shame, there is no healing. And I remember a couple times I went from, you know, my magazine closed down. I didn't I didn't lose it because I went through a bipolar episode. It was already closing. I had already given away my minister's credentials because I didn't think that I was qualified to hold them. I didn't feel like I was qualified to sit at the table. And shame was huge. As I said, I can't even talk about healing in my own family for fear. I, I, I think I got caught up in lying for God. And I think that's what shame does. Shame shoves us into a corner and, and says, if you really are authentic about who you are, um, no one's going to welcome you to the table anymore. And it took me a while to realize I didn't need to be at that table for God to use me in the way he wanted to use me. I did not need a title. I did not need a platform. In fact, I had been working in uh, fundraising after my magazine closed down. Uh, Before that, God had given me a one-year sabbatical because I was hospitalized. And basically, after my bipolar episode, and it was six months in, my brain broke completely. I was seeing things that weren't there. I was hearing things that weren't there. It was just crazy. And then I ended up hospitalized. And that was right before my the magazine folded, but I knew it was going to fold. I knew things were falling apart. I don't know why I had the obligation to feel like I had to keep things together when things were already falling apart and God was ready to take me to the next place. And I was holding on to everything white knuckled and losing my mind at the same time. So when I went into the hospital, um, I went, <laughs> I was given, um, I was on short-term disability, which 
um, an FMLA. And then because of that, um, because all the magazines were already, you know, that was a time where people were giving up paper. And, but at the same time I got out of the hospital, I felt like I had been in a massive car wreck and no one could see it. I would literally touch the back of my head to feel if my brains were exposed. This was literally, I would literally touch the back of my head. It felt like I wasn't able to put a sentence together. In fact, I call it surviving my head in collision because that's what it felt like. Mm, that's a helpful picture for us to understand. And my kids had to take care of me. My husband doesn't drive because he's legally blind, but I felt like I was relearning to drive. I felt like I couldn't put words together. I felt everything of my dream was dead. So from that place where the dream was dead, how did you get back to it being alive again? That must have been a long journey. Well, um, I was working in fundraising and I said, God, this is just not for me. I said, I will work in magazines. I want to write for you. I will even do it for free. <laughs> then Linda Evans Shepard, who is over the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, happened to call me out of the blue and said, I heard your magazine is gone. Would you be interested in helping me start a magazine? We don't have any money. Look at that. <laughs> so God took me up on the, I don't even have to get paid part, but that's the way God works. Are you willing to do something that I've called you to do, paycheck or not? And my answer was yes. And then I got other offers through that time of working for other agencies. And I had already started talking about mental health in Leading Hearts, which I felt such a blessing to have a microphone. And I actually got interviewed by two Christian media companies. And I said, I want to tell you right up front, I've become very comfortable with talking about my journey through mental health. And if I can't do that and be employed by you, this is not the place for me. And I never heard from those places again, which is disappointing. But that makes me literally sit here, shake my head. You know what I've learned? If you're going to be vulnerable, you have to learn to be comfortable with the people who are not comfortable with your story. And you know what? Maybe they're experiencing the same thing, or maybe they have learned to sit in the quiet and struggle. And that's a very hard place to be, sitting in the quiet and struggling with your shame and not walking into healing. It's incredible. Amber, I'd like you to help me. Let's imagine I have some friends in the church who love Jesus, but who are struggling with depression and anxiety and the like. What are some helpful things for me to do and say? And what are those things that I should not be saying? Because I'm sure you've had experience of both. Well, for those things that you should do is be understanding. I would say maybe be gracious with our preset ideas of what a Christian looks like, I guess. Sometimes we have a really hard time with people who are struggling and you say, oh, well, you're just sinful. I have to tell you that during my struggle and my walk through mental health, I did a lot of things I was ashamed of. But you know what God saw me as? A herding sheep. He saw my herding. And I think more people need to see and acknowledge that people don't always fall into our definition 
of what a Christian should be doing or saying or what. Because you know what? When I was really struggling with mental health, I cussed everybody up and down. Here I am, a licensed minister. I said every F word in the book. (laughs) I mean, I'm just being real with you because we expect better, but we don't realize we have a lot of hurting sheep out there. And we want to say that they've backslidden. They're not backslidden. I was not backslidden. I was hurting. I was hurting. And if you can't come to grips with that, then you don't need to be dealing with people with mental illness. If you can't acknowledge that humanity is flawed, if you can't acknowledge that sometimes praying through isn't all you do. (laughs) You know, I've had so many people who I wrote posts when I was doing with my mental health issues, and they're like, you need to have the joy of the Lord. You know what? I believed in the joy of the Lord. I just had a very, (laughs) I was dealing with the stinkiest fertilizer of life. And I wouldn't say that on the podcast. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had had to hold myself back a little bit, Sharon. (laughs) I want to keep this (laughs) G-rated. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It stinks. But you know what? God will sit in the toilet with us. God sits in the toilet with us. It's not a conversation everybody wants to have. And it's not a place everyone needs to be, right? Right. So if God has called you to minister to somebody who is expressing feelings that Amber has talked about today, it's okay for us to sit in the manure with them, with God, and just let them spend some time with Jesus, even there, just like the prodigal son did, until God says, okay, let's go back to the arms of the Father. Yeah, I want to just say one thing. This is important. This is probably the most important thing. You can be called to help people with mental health issues or to love on people with mental health issues, but you may not be qualified to deal with everything they're dealing with. You need to be open. You can't carry that. You have not been schooled in mental illness. Thank you for adding that. I think that's a really important point that if you need more help than you have, there's no shame in us asking for help as people who are helping in exactly the same way as there's no shame in you who are the person who feels bad asking for help. So if you know someone who's dealing with mental health issues, don't just rely on being a good friend. Help them see the need for help. That's great. Thank you. Yes, help them see the need for help. So before we go, Amber, I want to shift a little bit because you've got a book coming out, haven't you? This is not why we decided to do this interview. But as we were chatting, because I really wanted to hear your story and share about how God meets us in our mental health issues, it came to light. Do you have a book coming out? Just tell us a bit about that, please, because it's really great. Um, It's releasing in spring 2023 from Bold Vision Books, and it's called Leading Ladies, Discovering Your God-Grown Strategy for Success. It's really about the seeds that God had planted on us long ago. Whatever you are feeling that your call is in, or if you're a cafeteria worker, or you're on stage, or whatever, God is 
is calling forth those seeds and wanting that to bloom in you. And he's wanting women to raise up and recognize that there is something inside them. They may not even recognize, the world may not recognize, but God calls you not only his chosen daughters and sons, he calls you leaders. And we are kingdom leaders. And if we would see what kingdom leadership perspective is, instead of the ladder of success, we would totally redefine what it looks like to be successful in life. Thank you. I've already read snippets of this book and I can tell you it's really good. I can't wait to read it. So thanks so much for joining us, Amber. I know people might want to chat to you. So if they do, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Well, um, I have a website. It's uh, barefacedgirl.com. And I also have my Facebook for my business, Barefaced Creative Media. And you can see all the beauty that God has unrolled. Um, I did not design book covers. I didn't do any design before my um, mental health journey. And God woke that up in me. And I know he's waking others up with the same kind of beauty that can be expressed for his glory. Yeah. Thank you. Amber, it's been a real delight to chat with you. Thank you so much for being so transparent. I know that's going to help people. So thank you for trusting us with your story. And may God continue to bless you as he unpacks creativity in and through you. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. You've been listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, Amber Wiegan Buckley. If today's conversation has left you with questions, contact us or someone you know for help. You are not alone. The producer is Gary Dell and this is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production. Go to 61-things.com to tell us how you reveal God in the Ordinary.